This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. Win, lose or draw, McDelivery will always help bring home the free points. And speaking of points, order now on the McDonald's app and you'll earn reward points through every delivery. Order today, rewards tomorrow. You in? Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards, registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Today we'll be discussing the recent rumours around John Ruddy leaving for Luton and also we'll be discussing Scott Hogan and Lucas Djukovic perhaps leaving the club uh, sometime in the near future. So, it was quarter to 10 yesterday morning. Uh, it was Birmingham Live who were reporting it. Um, Luton Town keen on signing on John Ruddy. Um, how's this come about for you then, Sam? It's been a bit interesting, hasn't it? So it's been very out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that our number one keeper is being linked with a move away, literally like just as the championship season started. I mean, it's not ideal really, is it? I mean, someone of Ruddy's quality as well and the fact that he is, you know, a really experienced leader in the uh, dressing room, you think, like, with his age and, you know, what he's done at EFL and everything, like, he's one of our sort of go-to players for that experience because if you look at the players we've brought in so far, this transfer window, it's a lot of younger players. So, I mean, for sort of someone that experienced as Ruddy to be sort of in the dressing room, it's really important. So, to let him go, I think, would be a big miss. Yeah, it's a big miss in the fact that we wouldn't have the same replacement for him as well. And we've done that a lot in recent years, which is quite disappointing to see it even come about really I mean like obviously rumours are rumours but still when we lost Trey Adams in the summer of 2019 never replaced him we never replaced uh, Jota as well in that same transfer window all the good players we've had over the recent years we've never properly replaced and we had the opportunity of signing Matthias Arkic as well before he went to Millwall and you know if Ruddy does eventually go to Luton then that's going to be a right kick in the teeth because as much as I like Neil Etheridge, he's not up to the standards that Ruddy's been playing at. And also, with Etheridge playing as the first team keeper, who's the backup keeper then? You know, yeah. at the moment, it's Gcock, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a youngster, isn't it? It's someone that, you know, not really showed in, in the past that he's like up to the quality, as you said. And um, mm-hmm. same with Etheridge, really. And the fact that, you know, again, he is like someone with a bit of VFL experience, you know, having played in the league for a very long time. But doesn't exactly fill me with confidence. I think the first season that he had at the club was all right, actually. But then the second season, it really started to sort of show that, yeah, some of the goals he was letting in and that wasn't fantastic. And um, yeah, I mean, he was there when Bowie was there and also with Karanka as well. And um, yeah, with Eustace, it seems as if, yeah, straight away he brought in Ruddy. I think uh, Ruddy was one of Eustace's first signings, if I'm not mistaken. So mm. someone that he did sort of identify in the way that he wanted to play as well with the um, free at the back system. It's how... Wolves played when they got promoted when Ruddy was in goal mm. that sort of free at the back system where he seemed to be you know 
comfortable on the ball and communication as well. So I think, yeah, going forward, the system we are going to play is actually going to sort of determine which goalkeeper would be best. But as you said as well with Sarkic, that would have been a good one to get should we sort of know that Ruddy was being linked with a move away. Exactly, yeah. I mean, Ruddy's a proper interesting person to dive into, really, because like his career is actually much better than I think people remember him for. So he was an yeah. England captain. No, England, England captain. He was an England <laughs> that captain. Is something he definitely wouldn't be yeah. with us. <laughs> um, he played for England. Uh, he was in the Euro 2012 squad. Um, he was at Norwich for seven years. He made 117 Premier League starts. That's their third highest in the club's history in the top flight. Um, he got promoted with Wolves, like you say. Uh, he also made the FA Cup semi-final with them as well. Um, they lost to Watford, I think, didn't they? And, yeah. um, <clears throat> Troy Deeney scored the penalty as well to get back into the game to equalise and take yeah. extra time. Yeah, yeah. so it's um, it's quite interesting to see like his career path. Um, but yeah, he's um, he's made 43 appearances with us as well. Um, and he's been fantastic, really. I think like some of the best standout moments, particularly with last season, was like all the penalty saves, really. So he made one against Rotherham, QPR. Um, there's a few others as well that I can't quite remember, but he's been absolutely solid in goal. He's a great shot stopper. Definitely. He's fantastic in the air, which is something that Efridge really struggled with. I think Efridge is a great shot stopper. I mean, it makes yeah. it makes for a clear viewing, really. When you see the save he made against Forest Green last season in the Cup, it's just evidence. Well, the the triple it? save, wasn't it? It was like one yeah. save, then another, then another. He's that crazy. He, he's that type of keeper, Neil Efridge. He's like, you can just palm them away. He's a really good keeper in that sense. Just aerially, though, he's not very good, is he? And his kicking lets him down sometimes as well. But although I do think that um, Ruddy's kicking on Saturday wasn't that great, actually. I was, no, I, was like, no. I was like, don't you start as well. Like, we, we've just got on the hang of that. <laughs> don't need you yeah. getting into that now. Because he had a bit of a clanger last season against Swansea, didn't he? Where he sort of came out to mm. clear the ball and he sliced it, didn't he? I remember that one. I mean, keepers all have mistakes, don't they? I mean, exactly, but it's just because memorable. they're the sort of first, like, they're the, like the last person back who gets scrutinised the most, isn't it? You've got to feel bad for goalkeepers in that respect, where yeah, if they make a mistake, yeah. then it almost certainly leads to a goal. So, what's the sort of plan for Luton then signing Ruddy? So, they've made seven signings already this transfer window. They've bought Teeth Chung off of us, who is their record signing. Um, but they've also just signed Blackburn's Thomas Kaminsky, who obviously last season had a blinder against us away. Um, he did, yeah. What's what's the thought process behind it? Is is he going to be their backup or is he going to be their main keeper? What do you think is what do you think that's all about? Well, I mean, you look at sort of Ruddy when he was last in the Premier League with Wolves, he was back up then, wasn't he? And um, they've signed Kaminsky for around two and a half million pounds from Blackburn is uh, what I've seen. So the fact they paid more money for Kaminsky says to me that he'd probably be the starter. But I think it's good for sort of Luton to have that backup goalkeeper with that experience, you know, if things do go wrong with Kaminsky. So I think it's one of those things where he's being brought in as like experienced Ruddy, but I imagine that Kaminsky will be the starting goalkeeper for Luton. And um, I've seen that we're being linked with their goalkeeper for a replacement, aren't we? That uh, Hover. Mm. Yeah. We're being linked with. Yeah. What would that be a replacement like? I don't know too much about him, to be honest. I mean, I know like last season he was quite prevalent for Luton and. Um, he started a lot of games for him, but I think I wouldn't say he's an improvement on Ruddy, put it that way. I mean, mm. I don't know what it's going to be like with the finances and everything if we're going to sort of have to pay a fee for him or whatever. But mm. um, yeah, I think selling Ruddy for one million, I think for us, it's one of the people that it's not really about the money, it's for what he sort of gives to the team and the experience that he offers as well. It's not one of the players where you sort of go, oh yeah, I'll sort of take that money for him, or you know, he could be sold for more later on or whatever, like with some of our youngsters, like with George Hall and 
Jordan James where, you know, sort of you have a cash offer then, but then in the future, they'll be worth more. That doesn't really come into effect with Ruddy because of like his age and sort of where he's at in his career and everything. Yeah. But um, I'd say the best move for us would be to keep hold of Ruddy and just sort oh, of not get involved yeah. in sort of any sort of dramas with goalkeepers or taking a gamble with like a loan keeper or whatever. It's mm. just not something I'd be willing to entertain really. Yeah, because we've got such a solid keeper in him and we know what he can yeah. bring to the team and we know what we can expect from him. If we did replace him with Havarth, or however you properly pronounce his name, um, then we're, we're playing the blind game again, aren't we? We don't know exactly yeah. what's coming round. We don't know if he's going to be any good. We sort of know the the deal with Ruddy. We know the deal with Etheridge, and that's why we got John Ruddy in, so we could have a proper replacement for him. Um but yeah, what would the transfer fee be like, even if he was to go? I mean, if it's like, is it like a million or something? Because he's still got a That's year left on the contract. Yeah, I, I heard around a million pounds. But as I said, like for me, the fee isn't like the main sort of point as to why we'd sell Ruddy. It's just not really a fee that I'd really entertain and look to um, look at and go like, oh yeah, we'll take a million for him. Because I mean, for, for money, like we are all right nowadays, aren't we? I guess with how mm. much we're spending in this window and the fact we've got around five million for Chong and the money we got for Joe Bellingham as well. Yeah, true. I feel like um I think if we were to get a replacement keeper, the only problem is I reckon we try and go even cheaper than that. So if we sold Ruddy for a million quid, I reckon we'd go even lower to try and find a keeper for like seven fifty yeah. perhaps. Which I, agree. I don't think is a great idea. I think if you're gonna get if you're gonna splash out on one good position, I reckon you can try for goalkeeper. Because it's one of those positions that over time is going to be worth it. You know, keepers, they go on forever as well. You know, like Gianluigi mm. Buffon has only just retired. He's like 42 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So you're going to have a proper keeper there for a good few years. With players like strikers, attackers, midfielders, particularly fast and energetic strikers and midfielders and everything like that, they're going to be in high demand and be moving about all the time. You know, if Siriki Dembele has a good season this season and scores spot. Well, 15 goals for us. He's going to be back in the Premier League. He's going to go in for big money. Mm. If John Ruddy has, or, or let's say uh, Gcock has like a standout season after Ruddy leaves and in the leverage just gets injured, I don't know, just hypothetically, and he's like having a blinder, then he won't be in as demand as Siriki Dembele might be. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's like, I feel like yeah. if we're going to splash out on a player, I reckon we can try for a goalkeeper. Um I'd have quite liked, um, what's the Millwall keeper's name that's old, um, is it Bielakovsky or something? I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, were, we were linked with him years ago. I remember like when mm. Harry Redknapp, I think, was in charge. We were linked with him then. We and, should have got um, him at the time. Yeah, I think that window was an interesting one. We were linked with like Bielkowski that season. And I think like Graben as well as the strike we were being linked mm. with, if I can sort of remember properly. And um, yeah, that's when, you know, we were sort of, <laughs> speaking about spending ridiculous amounts of money. But I think, yeah, Bukowski now would be one where we could get him for under a million pounds, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's talk about Duke and Hogan then. So this is a rumour that's probably not been as well um, documented, but I suppose it's something still to talk about because two strikers who we're probably going to need by the end of the season, aren't we? Because we haven't replaced, the we haven't got a striker in just yet. We've got Tyler Roberts, but he's not your typical striker, is he? No. Um but let's talk about Duke first and what it would mean if he would leave the club. So he's a club legend. Um, he's pulled us out of many relegation battles over the last few seasons. And he's the hardest working Blues player I've seen in such a long time. Uh, what are your thoughts on the big man, Lukas Djokovic? I mean, yeah, you, you summed it up pretty well there, Tommy, and the fact that he is a club legend and the amount of sort of crucial goals he scored for us over the years to drag us out of 
you know deep relegation trouble where we've been sort of down there and needing a goal from somewhere just something and he's just delivered at the right time you know we, we could list off at least you know six seven games where he scored goals that have just dragged us out of these instants and um it would be really sad to sort of see him go and i think he's one of them players that deserves like a proper send-off you know mm. if he was to sort of play his final game sort of make it known before that he's going to play his final game and i just yeah, love it to be too. sort of like at st andrews with the packed out crowd again sort of clapping off for what he's done for us really and um it would be sad to see him go and i mean we're speaking about sort of bringing in a striker i don't want to see us let go of a striker when we need to bring in strikers if you know what i mean mm. point, we don't yeah. want to lose people in that position if we're speaking about bringing people in in that position you know sort of limiting our options before we strengthen them mm-hmm. does anybody spring to mind i mean it's difficult nowadays with the sort of array of strikers and how yeah. changing football is but is there like a sort of category of striker would you look at um, I mean, it's, it's it's an interesting one because we've been linked with Tom Cannon. That's like the main one, isn't it? Where mm. a lot of people have said, oh, yeah, bring this guy in because a lot of championship clubs are after him or whatever. Um, he got a lot of goals for Preston last season. He joined them in January, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And um, I've heard about the finances around this deal and apparently it would cost us around a million pounds just for this loan deal. Right. And I don't know if that's something that I think it's like entirely sustainable and something that the blues board would look at now and go, that's a healthy way to approach business. I just don't necessarily think that's a deal where, you know, it's great for all parties in terms of like financially and um, all the other aspects of it. But um, a striker that I have seen mentioned for um, championship clubs that did score goals in the championship last season is um, Sorry Kaba from Cardiff, where he's gone back to, gone back to his club in Denmark, isn't he? And um, he's being linked with a lot of teams in the championship and it's around a, two million pound fee apparently that um the club want for him and i think he's what 23 years old so he's still got a lot to give and um that's the ideal replacement but i just think yeah with the finances and the financial fair play having to sort of balance the books and everything it's going to be interesting to see how much we can actually spend from now until september mm-hmm. i think that the, i mean like a million pounds just for a loan deal for tom cannon isn't worth it i mean i remember uh, Fran Vialba a few years ago I remember that loan deal was an absolute catastrophe I, I can't remember exactly how it went but I'm pretty sure that I think it was Valencia who we were getting him off would yeah. receive a million pounds for the year for us just, just to have him and then we would sign him the year later for 2.5 million I'm gonna have to properly remember this either way it was absolutely ludicrous and he barely played for us he was a decent player i mean like we played some mm. fantastic football in the quartet at times that season but yeah the deal yeah. that we struck was awful i mean the business we did that whole entire summer was dreadful i mean we got rid of chay adams we got rid of gary monk we got rid of jota we got rid of our captain in michael morrison and we just yeah. didn't replace any of them with it it was like fair enough we got vialba who's a decent player but the deal was a mm. terrible deal we didn't replace Adams. We had to deal with Djokovic up front, which we've had to ever since. I mean, like that's why we're still talking about him. Um, yeah. We got Hogan at the end of the season, uh, just before the uh, lockdown happened. Um, and at the, at the back, we just had Mark Roberts and Harley Dean. And Mark Roberts had not been a first-team player for a good few seasons at that point. So like, mm. it's mm. nice to see now that the deals we are doing aren't on the same level as Fran Vialba. Um, so it's... Yeah, I think it will be a bit of a shame if we do go and make that deal for Tom Cannon because it's like, after all the good transfers we've been doing, keeping the budgets down, signing some really good players as well, people like Ethan Laird on the permits, it's absolutely fantastic. Same with Lee Buchanan as well. It just, it would sort of 
make a little it make me feel a little bit uneasy be like okay right we've made mm. all this good deals maybe like, a little but, bit of panic involved in let's the not, that we need a striker and it's like exactly, don't want to go back to yeah. the old days yeah let's not I mean, get you, carried you away. see how much we spent on cosgrove when we panicked on deadline day that's yeah. just something that yeah we don't want to see again poor deals really are i mean that, that's why i'm so glad that we do have proper people involved now because yeah the bshl they just didn't know what they were doing they really didn't um exactly. so let's let's talk about hogan then what would he because like he's a really on and off player. I mean, like in the past few really? seasons, yeah. in the past two seasons, he's got twenty goals between the two of them. So there is clearly a good striker in there. I mean, like it's obvious, really. He was a, he was um, he came up from the lower leagues. He signed for Villa for I think fifteen million pound when he came from mm. Brentford. Um, but ever since, he's just never been quite the same, has he? I think he's. I don't know. I don't know whether it's attitude. I don't know whether it's. Um, personal issues he might have, um, if he just doesn't enjoy playing football. I mean, like there are some players out there who just find it just as a bit of a day job sometimes, and it can weigh them down a bit. But I don't know. He's he can be a really good striker, and then he can be yeah. really quite off it. I'm not too sure. What do you take on him? I mean, yeah. If you were to look at his stats for the last sort of few seasons and the way that he scores goals for us they very often come in like streaks where he'll go on a really hot streak. So if you just look at the 20 goals that he scored over the last two seasons, and if you look at the months that he scored them goals in, I mean, mm. if you look at it from last season, I think November, he was like up there with the top goal scorers, wasn't he? Yeah. After his hat-trick against West Brom, you know, he started the season well, and then he kind of petered off from there. And it's the same mm. with the season before where he sort of had a hot streak in front of goal, and then he petered off from there. So it's one of them people where I think if he's to sort of have like a consistent flurry of goals, he's got to continue that on throughout the rest of the season to be considered as our like first striker mm. and um, what I would say about sort of this season and looking at the striking department is that the players behind him the midfielders we've got a lot of options now for like midfield and the creativity to, to create them chances for Hogan so mm. I mean we'll have a lot more creativity in terms of him getting them chances it's just about whether he can take them or not yeah and he definitely is that in front of goal as well he definitely gets chances um, I think his off the ball work definitely lets him down um, but he's a fantastic player at just getting some poaching goals. He's a great poacher. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like that the first goal against West Brom last season in his hat trick goal, I think was probably the best example of how Hogan can be implemented in the team, just on the edge of the shoulder of the bat line and just sort of fading in and out, just trying to lure the midfield in. And then Bakuna slots him through. He's absolutely clean through, rolls it in one nil. Um, and then the, obviously the next two goals are absolutely outstanding. That second oh, goal yeah. is one of the best goals I would have seen had I been had I not been in the toilet actually at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he he can be a great player. That's the thing. I feel like I don't know. I don't know what lets him down. I think it's a combination of things, isn't it? It's the fact that he's a bit lazy at times. His attitude's mm. not quite right at times, and possibly just because he's a bit unlucky sometimes in front of goal. I mean, like Kaminsky, particularly when we talk about him, um, when he played for Blackburn last season, was just on fire that game. He did score as well in that yeah. game, but still, that he was absolutely immense that game. Just barely anybody could get anything past him. So exactly. it was a miracle he did get something. But yeah, yeah I mean... Like, I think Hogan was playing for injury last season as well, wasn't he? Towards the back end of it, that it didn't become yeah. apparent until sort of the season was over <laughs> that he was actually playing for a bit, but not. So maybe that sort of impacted his performances. Perhaps he is a bit of an injury-prone player. He might be, but um, 
bit a bit on and off sometimes. Mm. I know that um, Harley Dean was definitely fighting for an injury um, under Gary Monk towards the end of that season of the 2018-19 yeah. season, um, and th- and that was obvious as well because when it when the news did come out, it was like, oh yeah, that's why he wasn't able to get out of that shot properly. Mm. Exactly, that's why he wasn't running properly. My dogs are barking. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, I mean, there's two very different strikers, aren't they? So, like, would Tom Cannon be a better replacement for Duke or for Scott Hogan if we were to get him? In terms of like for like, you'd have to say Hogan, wouldn't you? Because of sort of like his stature and the way that he sort of likes to play, as you said, off the shoulder and everything. And um, Duke's more if you sort of target man, isn't he? Where like Cannon's the one to sort of get in behind. But it's interesting with Hogan, like whether he works better as the sole striker up front or with a partner with him. Because you mm. saw, like, when he was first brought in, like the Pepe days, as you were saying, he was up front with Jukovic and he started off so well, didn't he, Hogan? Before mm. the COVID break, like, he was scoring pretty much every game. And yeah. um, he had a moment uh, in the season, last season, where um, he was playing up front with Deeney and Deeney would sort of drop deep, get the ball, and then look for Hogan sort of on the shoulder. Yeah. And, that, and that's when he sort of was scoring a lot of goals as well. But this season, it looks like we're starting with like a 4 2 3 1 where he'd be the lone striker in the past, he hasn't necessarily thrived in that position. I mean, I remember when uh, we had Karanka and he was playing as a striker up front, he didn't exactly score the goals then. So mm. it's going to be interesting to see whether he can sort of do the business up front by himself or he needs a sort of bigger striker partner with him. I wonder, because me and my brother were talking about this, is it Johnson Clark Harris who plays for Peterborough? Yeah. yeah. Like, he would be a great replacement for Djokovic, in my opinion. He's sort of like him anyway, so he's big, he's tall, he's aggressive, he's athletic. Mm. Someone that the Blues fans would get on board with. He's a sort yeah. of player that you know Birmingham fans would take a liking to. I think. Hundred percent, yeah. Because we we love players like that anyway. That's why we love Duke yeah. in the first place. Exactly. He just and and people like Michael Kiftenbeld as well. You know, just like yeah. getting absolutely flying into challenges. Taking yeah, exactly. Else. You know, it's exactly what we want. And I feel like, yeah, I, I think that that should be looked at a bit more. I know we've made some great signings in Buchanan and Laird and. Dembele, you know, those players that stand out amongst any signings we've made in the past few years. But I reckon we could do with someone like Kiftenbeld or another Djokovic or, you know, if we were to get Johnson Clark Harris, I'm absolutely certain that he would be well on board with the fans already. So yeah. I feel like we need a bit of an aggressive player just to spice some things up a bit. I mean, Bielik can be a bit like that at times, can he? Yeah, he, he's good at both things, I think, like with the ball and also the aggression as well. That was That's what makes him so good, in my opinion. Hmm. But yeah, it's interesting to see. I think um, we'll obviously see if both of these, if all three of these players uh, do eventually start going. I mean, like, where would Duke and Hogan be interested in going? Was it reported or is it just still rumours? I think it's one of the things where they're open for offers, maybe. So when the offers come mm. in, then they can sort of assess where they'd go to. But I could just see it with Hogan, though. Like, if he was to go to another championship club, he'd just, like, score goals there. It's one I of know. people where you let go and it's like, oh, why can't you do that in a blue shirt? If we went to like a Rotherham or something, he'd just score goals there, you know, or like a QPR or someone like that. You could just see it happening. I, I, I suppose it is dependent on like setup sometimes though, isn't it? Because mm. I wonder that with Sariki Dembele this season. Obviously, he's hit the ground running with a, a debut goal. But if his support around the attacking areas isn't as good as he possibly had at Peterborough, let's say, who outplayed us in the friendly game you know that style of football definitely suited him fast yeah. get it straight into him players moving off of him and he can feed it into them and they work it round and into the back of the net so 
I reckon with players like Hogan, if he was put in that system where he would be like the target man in the middle of the box and everybody did the work into him, then he would get 20 goals a season, 30 goals a season. Mm. You know, he's he's that type of player where you give him options and you give him service and he'll just bang him in every single time. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. I mean, like what team in the championship perhaps could be like that? What with the sort of service, like the quick football? Um mm-hmm. Or yeah, even just the one. poacher yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one. You look at sort of the teams that are predicted to finish where we're mm-hmm. looking to sort of finish next season, like the mid-table area and the teams that are there that are perhaps in like transition. You look at um, Watford, one of them, you know, they scored four goals against QPR before the half-time break uh, on mm-hmm. Saturday. And they they look to play like a sort of really quick style of football where it's sort of in the uh, opponent's third. And um, Valerian Ishmael sort of encourages like this physical aggression in the forward areas but then also that sort of quickness to sort of be clinical and finish mm. when you can because um if you looked at the goals they scored against qpr they're all sort of similar patterns where they're sort of getting the ball up quickly and then looking to punish and just sort of exploit them gaps and as you said with hogan where he is a poach and he seems to be in the right place at the right time when you get the ball to him mm. i wonder whether you could do like a bit of a, a money ball take on it if you've ever watched that film you just get someone in who you've got no idea about he's just like or stats-based, but I reckon mm. you could do that with Hogan. Just put him in the box, just leave him there. And then every time you've got a chance in and around the goal, you just feed it to him and he'll score. It's just like, I feel yeah. like I feel like yeah. some team would think about doing that. So I, I, I do wonder if it seems like maybe Leeds or Watford are interested in that. If like you get all the big, strong players to do all the hard, aggressive work, get Hogan in the middle and then just feed it into him. And yeah, perhaps that's the same with Duke as well. So like, if there is a struggling championship side, perhaps like Rotherham this season, who might be in the towards the bottom of the table, then they might need someone like Djokovic, you know, just get him some crosses, stick it in the back of the net, a bit Andy Carroll-like, you know, mm. and win some games, get some points on the board to keep him up, wouldn't it? So it's it's interesting because that's what we've been doing these past few seasons. So Yeah, literally, literally. If we do sell Duke and Hogan, who we are considering like uh, championship survival type of strikers, then I'm hoping that we're not going to be in the championship relegation battle, that's for sure. But I'm hoping yeah. that we're going to have the yeah. strikers who are able to put us up the top of the table and not still scrapping for a 17th mm. place finish. I suppose one of the things with us where you don't want to go for the strategy, you know, run before you can walk, it's going to be a gradual thing to get to where we want to get to. And hopefully we don't sort of change too much at once, because if you do that, then that leaves sort of a bit of a risk where, you know, you're asking players to do something that is so different to what, we were doing the season before and um yeah i mean I, I wouldn't let go of these players yet i mean i'd sort of give it a season see how we go assess where we are and then in the next window perhaps look at these players and go right are they uh, good for the direction we want to go in and is there mm. other options that are out there that we can bring in that are going to strengthen those areas before we let these players go rather than sort of being um sort of proactive rather than reactive am i saying that right or yeah 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 you know what i mean yeah yeah i don't know exactly what you mean yeah, it's interesting talk. That was. Um, I don't think there's much else to discuss. I don't think. I mean, yeah, um, I, guess, I guess we've got the game tomorrow, but yeah, I don't know what much we can say about that, really. It's one of them ones where a lot of the youngsters yeah. will get minutes, <laughs> sort of assess the team there. And uh, Effridge will probably be in goal for that. So we'll see how he does in that game. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, maybe even Gcock. I'm not entirely sure. Mm. Um, I kind of hope we win. You know, I'm, I, I, yeah. I'm not too fussed about the League Cup as much as I 
probably was when we were making the quarterfinals against Villa back in 2011. But you know, <laughs> I suppose you want you want like a big team to play against, don't you? Like yeah. St Andrews, sort of when the stadium is back again, it'd be one of them ones where you know a Tuesday, Wednesday night where you could get like a Premier League team down. I think it'd be a good atmosphere at St Andrews. Mm. So in terms of that, it would be good. But I can't see us yeah going as far as them days. We've been really bad in cup competitions as of late. You know, like we've hardly made past the second round of the Carling Cup, like the EFL Cup lately. Mm. I mean, in the FA Cup as well, we had a decent few games last season against Forest Green and we've got a replay against Blackburn. But, you know, I think the last proper good game we had was against West Ham away in the uh, FA Cup. Yeah, and, I was at um, that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. were you? you, you... You're a million miles away from the pitch, that's for sure. But Literally, um, yeah, yeah, we, we competed in that game. Like we we lost two 0 didn't we? But mm. there was definitely moments where you know it could have gone either way. I remember one point where we were through on goal, but it just so happened to be Wes Harding that was the guy that was through Literally, on goal. Yes. It didn't exactly fill me with confidence. <laughs> so oh, didn't get that far forward, but yeah, we were competitive in that game, and that was a really good season. Besides the sort of point deduction that just sort of threw us into that relegation trouble, and I remember I we lost I think every game in March. So that really derailed our yeah. season, but. Apart from that, I look at that season as a good one. Literally, yeah. I think that's why I'm kind of hoping to win tomorrow night, just so we can get just somewhere in the cup, honestly. Just yeah. like get a Premier League team out of absolute fluke in the second round or the third round, whatever round we are in. I, yeah, I get them at home. Yeah, I think that would be a sort of one that, you know, a cup run, you know, it does sort of boost the camaraderie and like the sort of morale around the place. So I think it's one of them ones where, yeah, if we if we get a good cup run going, then it could really sort of spark some excitement with the fans and everything. So, yeah, mm. I wouldn't be completely against it. And I'd like to see us sort of put out a semi-decent side against Cheltenham, maybe feature some players that, you know, were on the bench for the Swansea game, but players that could compete for the first team, like Bakuna and Miyoshi mm. and Yukovitz and like Chang and James. I'd love to see them guys start. Yeah, indeed. Uh, thank you for joining me, Sam. Uh, thank you for Thank you for listening. And uh, be sure to like and subscribe and keep right on. Sports Social Podcast Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.